We live in a world that doesn't always understand grief, but we do. We see you, we hear you, and we're here to talk about grief in the most real of ways, because we have lived with it too. In this podcast, we'll look at ways to integrate grief into a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. There'll be no platitudes or silver linings, but there may be the occasional F-bomb. I'm coach John Polo, and my person died. I'm coach Carolyn Gower, and my person died too. Welcome everybody. This week's episode is entitled, The Holidays and the Grief. John, for most people, the holiday period is the happiest time of the year. It's a time when you're surrounded by family and friends, eating, drinking, giving and receiving gifts, laughter, joy, banter. It's a time to release the stress of the year, let your hair down and enjoy each other's company. However, when someone you love is missing from those celebrations, it's a very different story. It can be a really painful and harsh reminder of their absence in your life. And it can leave you feeling like you just want to hide away and completely avoid the holidays, which would be pretty damn hard to do because there's so many constant reminders everywhere we go, especially for Christmas. Christmas carols, sales, decorations in all the stores, ads on TV and radio, and absolutely everyone is talking about it. So it is important to acknowledge that this is going to be a really hard time for you, not only on those special days, but in the lead up to them as well. It's important to acknowledge what you've been through and that therefore it's not only understandable, but it's also okay that you're feeling this way. And by accepting this, it can take a lot of pressure off you pressure that you might otherwise put on yourself because you or someone else labels these feelings as wrong. So many grieving people will just grin and bear it to please others. And look, you know, I've done that too, but it's exhausting and it's not healthy. So please stop pretending. Someone you love has died and it's okay to not be okay. Maybe getting to know what you need will feel more empowering and helpful for you. And hopefully by the end of this episode, we will have given you some things to think about that may help you make this time a little bit gentler on you. Yeah, look, absolutely. Everything you said, absolutely spot on. You know, we all know that grief is so difficult on your average Tuesday, right? (laughs) As the holidays approach and we feel that, we feel that pain as we turn the calendar. We feel that pain as these days approach. We feel that pain as we walk in, you know, to our family's home to celebrate the holiday and and our loved one is not there. And everything Carolyn said about being, you know, kind and gentle to yourself is 100% spot on. Carolyn, I kind of want to start this episode a little bit talking about your first experience on the holidays without Tony and mine as well. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your first year, the holidays are here. Tony is physically not what that was like. Sure, John. So we don't celebrate Thanksgiving here in Australia, 
but I do clearly remember the lead up to my first Christmas without Tony because it just felt so brutal. Bit of a background, Tony and I both loved December, Christmas and that whole time of year so much. It was always a favourite time for us. And of course, it's summer here in Australia at that time. So it also meant nice weather, barbecues and the beach. And with three of Tony's daughters living interstate, we'd bring them down to stay with us. So we'd have all our kids together and it was a big, happy family time. So that just topped it off and made it an extra special time. But once December came in 2017, the year that Tony died, I was just so pissed off with the world. I was angry that everyone was excited about Christmas. I was angry at the Christmas carols playing in the shops. I was angry at the decorations everywhere I went. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I honestly would have been happy to stay in bed and avoid it altogether. I didn't put up a tree or decorations. I refused to buy Christmas cards or wrapping paper. I actually gave people presents that were still in the shopping bags they came in. I just couldn't bear facing anything at all to do with Christmas. Just before that Christmas, so about six weeks prior, I had bought a little one-bedroom unit and I'd started doing some work in the outdoor patio area to keep my mind busy. So on that Christmas Eve, I'd worked outside until it got too dark And then on Christmas morning, I got up at 7am and continued working on it. And that was my way of just completely ignoring what day it was for as long as I could. But I must say, it was so damn hard waking up alone that morning. And it was the first time that I've ever done so because even before I met Tony, I still had kids at home. So then later on on Christmas morning, I went to the cemetery and sat at Tony's grave in the sunshine and it actually felt really peaceful. And then I did what I had to do. I went and had lunch with the family, but I remember basically wearing like a fake mask all day and it was exhausting. The day was so hard and I remember feeling really relieved when it was over. So how about you, John? What are your memories of the holidays that first year after Michelle died? Ooh, you're going to take me back to the first year, huh, Carolyn? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's what we're doing. Um, So the first, you know, major holiday here in the States was Thanksgiving. And that would have been two weeks after her birthday. So Michelle's birthday is on November 11th. So, you know, got through that first birthday somehow. Then Thanksgiving comes. I remember that I was planning to stay home. My sister does Thanksgiving every year. And I told her, I am not coming. (laughs) I am staying home, right? I, I, I made that declaration. And I went and I probably got myself a frozen pizza or something. I don't remember exactly what. And I was going to stay home and I was going to watch football. I think the Bears were on that day. And that was my plan. And I think it was probably about 2 o'clock in the afternoon that day, it hit me that I no longer wanted to be alone. And and I knew that going by my sister's house would be risky because that's where we spent all of our holidays. That's where we spent a lot of our time. Everyone else there would be a couple, right? I knew that it would be risky. I knew that I was walking into a situation that might make me feel far worse. 
But about 2 p.m. that day, I no longer wanted to stay home. I, I no longer wanted that frozen pizza that I bought. So I showered, I got ready, I tried to look decent, and I went over there. And I have to say, that actually turned out to be a good thing. No, it was not the best Thanksgiving of my life, right? <laughs> Obviously. But that decision on that day actually turned out to be the best decision for me. Going, having some good food, drinking a glass of wine, being around other people did in fact make my day better. But, but one of the things that I remember most about that day, other than the fact that I told them I was not coming and then changed my mind and went and actually held up okay, was that about seven o'clock now, we're about to sit down and have dinner. And, and I had been there for, I don't know, two, three hours at this point, And nobody had mentioned Michelle's name. And I'm sitting there in my own head being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, is nobody going to talk about her the whole time? And at first I got really annoyed. And then I looked inward. And I said, well, why don't you talk about her? Right. And now this was before, you know, my books and my coaching and all everything I've learned. So I did. I, I picked up my glass of wine and I said, we're going to toast Michelle. And then I mentioned a funny story about her. And then somebody else did the same. I empowered myself in that moment because I wanted Michelle and her memory to be a part of it. It's interesting because the next story I want to tell about that first holiday season is actually Christmas Eve. Because on Christmas Eve, I went back and I found myself at my sister's house again. And on that Christmas Eve, my sister brought up Michelle. And I remember looking at her. It was kind of early on, like not a lot of people had gotten there yet. So it was just a few of us. And I said to her, not today. I can't even hear about Michelle's memory today. I can't even discuss it today. It's too painful. So again, in a completely different way, I empowered myself enough to use my own voice the first time to bring up my wife and then the second time to say, I can't go there today. I love that, John. The fact that you knew what you needed on both of those times and it was different and that you were able to voice that to the people around you. Now, you know, John, I've always been curious about my grief and as time goes by, we do get to learn a bit about it, such as what's activating it for us and so forth. So sometimes it can feel somewhat predictable, but it is grief and as predictable as it can be, it can also be just as unpredictable. So there will be times that we might expect are going to be completely horrible that can end up being nowhere near as bad and that we might even end up enjoying just like you mentioned before. And that can sometimes leave us feeling guilty. But just remember, it is okay to feel sad that they are missing from these days. And it's also okay for us to still find some joy and smile on those days as well. Absolutely, Carolyn. You and I were talking before we hit the record button on this episode just about what we're seeing with people, right? What we're seeing with people and how much they are judging themselves and how much they are judging their own grief. And the holidays 
can be difficult enough without you judging every single time you smile every single time you cry every single time you feel some hope every single time you feel sadness i know we say it all the time i know we do but you really have to give yourself even more grace as the holidays approach and yes as predictable as grief can be and in a certain point you kind of get to know your grief a little bit you don't like it right but you get to know it it's even more unpredictable 100 percent, john and one question that often comes up regarding the holidays, I know we've talked about this, we both hear it quite a bit, is do I honour the traditions that I had with my person or do I make new traditions? And look, there really is no right or wrong answer here. It's such a personal preference. It's about doing what feels right for you. And sometimes it may even be a combination of both old and new. Remember, your life has been turned completely upside down and everything has changed. So it is okay if the old traditions don't feel right now or even in the future. Yeah, you know, I remember the first Christmas we put up the same tree. So Michelle passed in January and Michelle's last Christmas we went and we bought her dream tree. Like she was obsessed with trip that tree she loved that tree more than she loved me <laughs> and we bought like amazing new ornaments and it was really beautiful and that first christmas that we had without michelle we put that tree up and that was fine that year and in future years we did not put that tree up we ended up donating it we put up a very small tree i think the second year and then moving forward, some years we didn't even have trees. We would just put up stockings and different type of ornaments. So again, it's not only, you know, doing what feels right for you, et cetera, but it's also going with the flow. You might decide I'm not putting up a tree this year. And then on December 22nd, you might feel like, oh, wait, you know, Joey, my late husband really loved trees and I didn't think I could do it at first, but now I want to give it a, a shot. So again, it's about being flexible with yourself as things change and that it's not only like this year but moving forward what worked for you this year may not work next year you may stay home and be around family and friends this year and next year you may decide to start a new tradition of going on some kind of trip so grace and flexibility are big parts of getting through the holiday season so, John, for a few moments, let's talk about the empty seat at the table. All right, let's do that. It kind of goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, right? Like being by my sister's house that first Thanksgiving and nobody's mentioning Michelle. And I empower myself to bring up her name and share a story. So, you know, we don't need to do the whole elephant in the room thing. We don't need to do this. Like we all remember that they lived. We all know that they died. Let's not ignore that. Let's instead try to incorporate their love and their memory into these days. Now, people can sometimes get creative with how they do that. Sometimes I literally have clients like that will put an empty seat at the table. Right. Some clients will even like put a dish there. 
Um, sometimes they'll listen to that person's favorite music or again, go around the table and say a funny memory. So there's a lot of different things that we can do. But if everyone at that gathering is too afraid to say their name, that empty seat at the table is not just an empty seat. It's the elephant in the room and it makes everyone there not only feel uncomfortable, but feel that void even more. Yeah, John, now I have a client and she was telling me recently as we were discussing the holidays coming up that last Christmas, which was the first year since her husband died, they were preparing to go to her parents' house on Christmas Day. And she said that her mum pulled her aside before the day and said to her, now, this is a really special day. You know, we're in our new house. We want Christmas to be perfect. So we don't want you to be sad and moping around all day and make everyone else feel sad as well. We don't want you to ruin everyone else's day. And she was really thrown by this comment because, you know, it was her first Christmas without her husband. She didn't know how she was going to be feeling. She didn't know what to expect. So she ended up saying, well, you know, maybe I just won't come. You know, I don't want to ruin everyone else's day. Maybe I'll just stay at home. But then her mum was, no, you know, don't be like that. You're just being mad ass now. You know, you've got to come and all this stuff. So she told me that she went and she didn't enjoy it at all. She just put on a, a mask for the whole day and acted the way that she thought that everyone else would want her to act. And it was, it really was like the real elephant in the room. Look, the truth is there are going to be people, family, friends, you know, whoever you spend the holidays with that feel that way. They don't want you coming and being sad. They don't want you showing your grief because they're worried that, you know, it might affect everyone else. It might bring everyone else down. That's something that some people, unfortunately, are going to have to deal with, right? But you don't have to go. And if you go, it's okay to try to put on a strong face sometimes. It's okay to do that. What I don't want to see people do is to put on a mask for other people, to appease other people, because then you're not allowing yourself to grieve the way you need to grieve. And again, as I always say, if you're not allowing yourself to grieve the way you need to grieve, once you want to start rebuilding and once you want to live again, it's going to be super hard for you then to empower yourself enough to live the way that you want to live. That's absolutely true, John. So now we're going to run through some things that we've both found really helpful for getting through the holidays, not only for ourselves and our personal experiences, but also for our clients as well. The first one is make self-care a priority. Now, Carolyn and I both know that self-care gets a bad rap, which is why we both teach self-care in new and innovative ways. But the truth is, self-care, whatever that means for you right now, make it a priority. You actually do matter. Your well-being is very important. And the holidays are likely to challenge you in a greater way than your average day. So whatever that means for you, sunshine, nutritious foods, working out, being around the right people and not the wrong people, speaking kindly to yourself, 
and not verbally abusing yourself, whatever that means for you, please zone in on it now. So, so true, John. And the thing is with your self-care, it doesn't have to be perfect. Even a little bit helps. So our next point we're going to talk about is to allow a safe space for your grief because your grief does need to be tended to just like anything else. So it might be a ritual or a practice that helps you. It could be talking with a friend, your coach or counsellor, or maybe a grief group. All of these things are so important and they are too part of your self-care. Have a plan, but also allow yourself flexibility. So I think there's a page about this in my first book. What I learned from that first Thanksgiving where I told my sister, I am not coming, <laughs> right? And then I was like, oh, shit. I think I need to be around some humans today, and I think I need some real food in me. What I learned is to have a plan but be flexible. So let's say you absolutely plan on not going, right, to your family's house. Telling them, I don't think I'm going to come. I don't think I'm going to be up for it. I think I would rather be alone, but there's a chance that I may change my mind. So can you save a seat at the table for me, right? Can you save a plate just in case I might show up? Let them know that. And on the other hand, if you're going to go, telling them, look, I'm going to come, but I don't really know how I'm going to feel. It might be too difficult on me and I might need to leave early. And I might need to leave early and not say anything to anybody and just get up and go. Putting that in their ear as well. So have a plan, but allow a ton of flexibility for yourself. Yes, I love that, John. Such important points. And part of that one as well is don't be a people pleaser. Allow yourself permission to say no if you do really need to. Plan ahead for anything that may activate your grief. So I'm going to use New Year's Eve as an example. So New Year's Eve has always been a day that has proved challenging for me. I think New Year's Eve is one of those days where like, if you're happy in life, it's going to be a great day. And if you're not happy in life, it's going to be a really bad day, right? Michelle was transferred to hospice on New Year's Eve. So it can be a difficult day for me. I think the first New Year's Eve after we went by my sister's house. And then I stopped doing that. What I did for a couple years straight was I stayed home on New Year's Eve by myself. But what I did on those days was I paid very close attention to what was going to activate my grief. I set myself up for success, or perhaps a better way to say it is that I set myself up for my heart to be in the least amount of pain possible. So what does that mean? That means I went and I got Chinese food at about 3 p.m. with a bottle of wine. That means at about 6 p.m. <laughs> I tried to go to bed, right? I was like, fuck this day. I'm over New Year's Eve. Fuck it. But for the first couple of years, I would need noise in the background. I couldn't just fall asleep. I would need the TV on or something, right? So I went, I got Chinese food at three o'clock. I kind of like ate all the food, right? Got a little bit of a tummy ache, drank my wine at six o'clock. I was going to call it a day. I was going to start, you know, the next day fresh, be done with New Year's Eve. But I needed TV on in the background. What was I going to do? 
I wasn't going to have on the news stations that have the ball dropping because talk about fucking watching something that's going to hurt your heart. So I put on a movie the first year I stayed home, right? Like I put on a movie and as I'm trying to fall asleep, I had never seen this movie before. It starts activating my grief because the person in the movie gets cancer. (laughs) So from that point forward, what I would do is I would put on reruns of either movies I knew that were not going to activate my grief or TV shows I knew that were not going to activate my grief. I zoned in on myself on what I knew was going to be a difficult day. And I set myself up so that my heart would not hurt more than it already was. Now, John, I remember you telling me that story before. And I also remember you mentioning that you also turned your phone off at the time so that you didn't have to put up with a whole bunch of people messaging or calling, wishing you a happy new years when you weren't in the mood for it at all. Yeah, I sure fucking did. I mean, the year before Michelle got transferred to the hospice, New Year's Eve, she was sleeping in the hospital and I was sitting by her side as the world was celebrating. Then the day she got transferred to hospice, one of the worst days of my life, I didn't want to deal with it. So, yep, I turned my phone off. I empowered myself. Good for you. I love our next point. It's always have an exit strategy. So sometimes when we're grieving, we go somewhere, we think we're going to be fine. We go to the occasion and then we might be fine for a little while. And all of a sudden we think, oh no, man, I just got to get out of here. I've had enough. This is just all too much. So being prepared for that and having an exit strategy is a really great idea. So you can just get out of there. So I know that Christmas day I was talking about earlier, I went to the cemetery after having lunch with the family. I had told them, you know, I wanted to get out to the cemetery before the gates closed. So I guess that was my exit plan that I could get out of there and no one questioned it. The next one I want to talk about is thinking outside the box. So I have a lot of clients, whether they're in the first year or the eighth year, whatever the case is, that... You know, they'll go on trips now. They'll get away, right? Oh, the holidays are coming. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be home. I'm going to Mexico, right? I'm going to Vegas. So again, they've empowered themselves to think outside the box. Now, it's kind of hard early on to know what you want to do, what you don't want to do, what's going to feel, you know, decent, what's going to feel horrible, what might feel good. You don't really know. That's why Carolyn and I are saying be flexible right? You're going to learn as you go, as years pass, what kind of works for you during the holidays and what doesn't. That's so true, John. It is a work in progress. Now, the next thing we'll talk about is shared pain. So it is okay to show your pain, your grief and your vulnerability in front of your kids, rather than thinking you have to hide it. Because quite often, It's one of those times where, as a widowed parent, people can think that I can't be sad during the holidays. I've got to keep happy for my kids. I've got to put on this brave face. Whereas your kids are feeling it too. They're most likely going through some of the same things that you're feeling. So by having open discussions and talking about it can make it just a little bit gentler for all of you. Absolutely. And I think we're going to do a 
episode very soon on parenting children who are grieving. But a quick thought on that. When we show our grief and our pain, and yes, even our tears in front of our children, I'm not saying you have to be on the floor sobbing in front of them 24-7. No, I'm not saying that. But when you show them that you're human, your pain, your grief, your tears, what you're doing is you're giving them the unspoken okay to be human, to be in pain, to grieve, and to cry. Also, if you hear weird noises right now, that's my stomach growling, just so you know. <laughs> okay? oh, TT, and, that and if joke. anybody's hearing, like, what the fuck are these noises? That's my stomach growling. We apparently need to wrap up this episode fairly quickly so I can get some food. <laughs> I didn't know if you had a squeaky chair. <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about as far as tips is there are going to be people listening to this episode who don't have anybody to spend the holidays with, right? So let's just look at that for one second. For some people, maybe they want to take a solo trip somewhere, right? Maybe they're like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going somewhere by myself for a few days. Okay. For other people, maybe they're like, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to, you know, just turn everything off. I don't have anyone to be with. And that's okay too, if that's the approach you want to take. I also think that there are some things that we can do that are outside the box as far as volunteering, right? Or perhaps hitting up people who you also know may not have anyone to spend it with. So if you're a widowed person and you maybe don't have any really close widowed friends, but you know quite a few widowed people in your area, maybe you contact some of them to see if some of them wanna go to a lunch or a dinner or have coffee with you. And then the last thing on this topic that I'll say is, look, sometimes you got to tell people, I think that a lot of us have people in our lives that if they knew we didn't have anywhere to go, they would offer a seat at the table, but they don't necessarily know that. So sometimes, again, it goes back to empowering yourself, even when empowering yourself makes you feel uncomfortable or feels unnatural. The thing is, John, that quite often, especially early in our grief experience, we believe that the way we are feeling now is permanent, that there's no way that this can ever feel any different or any better than it does today. But the truth is, it does change. Grief is ever-changing and evolving. And I'm not saying it ever gets easy. It will always hurt our heart not to have our person here with us. But it can be possible to smile and find joy again. And it's the same for the holiday season. It most likely won't feel as raw and painful years down the track as it does in those earlier years. So, John, how have the holidays changed for you in comparison to year one that you were telling us about before? Yeah, I'm going to answer that question in a second, but I need to go back to something you said, which is, and I talk about this a lot with my clients, when we are in deep pain, that feels permanent. When you're on the floor sobbing and you can't get up, you think that is exactly where you're going to be for the rest of your life, 
you're never going to be able to get up. You're never going to be able to stop crying. It feels permanent, right? It does. As you said, with the holidays, they are going to come and they are going to go. For those of you that really get hit by some huge grief waves these next couple of weeks, for those of you that, you know, are questioning whether or not you can get through this, it is not permanent. Yes, the physical absence of your person is permanent, but that particular type of pain you feel that you don't know if you can go on, even though it feels permanent, it's not permanent for the rest of your life. You will be able to get back up. You will be able to stop crying. You will be able to one day see with a more clear vision in a little bit of a lighter heart. Oh, and I stopped because I forgot to answer your question, <laughs> Carolyn, after that. Okay, so let me tell you how the holidays have changed for me. I think I like the holidays again. It's not that I don't feel Michelle's void even more during the holidays. I do. But somehow, some way, I actually like the holidays again. The traditions have kind of gone back to what they were. And that, you know, most of the time I'm going to be my, by my sister's house. But I have to be honest, it's not just the holidays. You know, I've talked before, Michelle's birthday is on November 11th. You know, the last day she was ever home is the day after Christmas. The day she was transferred to hospice is New Year's Eve. The day she passes January 22nd. Yes, this is my grief season. It is. But the pain of my grief season does not take me to my knees in the way that it used to be. So the holidays have changed for me a lot these last seven years, but so has grief as a whole. The love that I have for Michelle is no different. The fact that grief is still a thing is still a fact, but it looks far different than it did before. And this is the last quick thing I'll say. Last New Year's Eve was probably the best New Year's Eve of my entire life. So yes, grief does change and it evolves constantly, as does your life as you continue to move forward. Carolyn, tell me, how have your holidays changed since Tony passed? John, I feel very different now at five and a half years out compared to how I felt that first year. And I am very lucky to have four grandkids now. So for me, they are my main focus at Christmas. I still miss Tony terribly. I still hate that he can't be here to enjoy our families, especially at this time of the year. And I have my ways to honour him and to honour my grief for him on these special days. And the big thing is that I'm now able to do these things without caring what other people think about it. Because this is my grief. It's not theirs. This is my love. And this is how I choose to get through this time that's so bloody hard. I acknowledge and accept that Christmas and the holiday season will never be the same without him. But I also allow myself to enjoy it again. I notice and embrace those new moments of joy. Joy that I thought I'd lost forever. Joy that I now know is so precious. 
joy that I won't take for granted because life is so fragile. Thank you for listening to the My Person Died To podcast. For full information on our books, coaching services and other offerings, visit our websites, carolyngowercoaching.com and johnpolocoaching.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And if you found this podcast helpful, please spread the word so that we're able to support more people through grief.